I want to say, man, the first time was so nice, I had to do it twice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown. Just like Dean Smith, I've uh, freshened things up a little bit today. We've got a new lineup for you. Uh, Chadzi, unfortunately, couldn't make it today, but we are blessed with two of VBB's finest. We've got Yaro and AJ with us tonight. How are you doing, boys? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having us. AJ, you good? Yeah, I'm glad to be the marvellous in the camera of the podcast, mate. <laughs> linchpin, mate, linchpin. I'm going to call you the linchpin from now on. And as usual, we've got Jugsy with us, given his usual expert punditry. Jugsy, you good? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, let's let's try and freshen things up a bit. Like I said, normally we'll go to Chadzi for a bit of a summary. Let's go with AJ tonight. AJ, what are your thoughts on uh, the lunchtime win yesterday? Yeah, it was uh, it was great to bounce back. Um, I'm uh, a pessimist by nature, so coming off the back of I guess sort of five halves of football where we struggled a little bit a bit to open against Burnley yes we won the game against Southampton but in a fairly unconvincing way and then West Ham was a very disappointing performance I think to come back and put in a resolute and uh, committed performance like that I mean my main concern going into the game was had we just had a few off days or was it fatigue starting to show um, we've played a lot of games in a short space of time, but just by making a couple of changes, um, uh, freshened things up a little bit. Um, and Campbell was very good in midfield uh, and had a bit of extra energy that maybe we'd that maybe we'd lacked. Um, Nick the only goal, which obviously all season we've been brilliant. Once we've got in front, um, and uh, yeah, managed to managed to see it out without a huge amount of trouble, despite. Arsenal having 70% of the ball. So, um, yeah, it was very, uh, very pleasing uh, performance and laid some of my pessimism, although probably not all of it, uh, to rest. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yara, a bit of a weird game, really, wasn't it? I tweeted yesterday that um, we had all the best chances, yet they all had, they had all the ball. Um, and I was never really worried about them scoring, yet our back four and goalkeeper were immense um, just a really weird game, but what what were your what were your thoughts on the game and, and how we started off? Uh, you know, after the uh, the loss in the, against West Ham. Yeah, I mean, I kind of shared your your sense that Arsenal weren't going to score, um, but the last time I felt that was against Burnley, um, and look how that turned out. So um, my uh, yeah, despite despite the fact that I did have a lot of faith in the in the in the back four in particular and, and Martinez to see them out, um, there was in the back of my mind. Um, as AJ alluded to, recent performances um, not being great and and worrying that that you know it could still find its way in. Um, however, having said that, yeah, Arsenal for all their ball for all their time in our final third didn't didn't really look like carving us open with a with a proper clear cut opportunity. I mean, I would say the one that was probably the biggest expected goal uh, was probably Erdegaard, um, his 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 shot that was blazed over. Um, which um, it was actually really good play for Marstall in, in setting it up. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be too hard on the boys on that one. Um, and yeah, for the rest of the time, a lot of the time they were down our flanks, but cash and target, like they have been for so much of the season, were man 
man men, men mountain <laughs> <laughs> man man mountains um yeah yeah they were they were they were colossus in 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 stopping them and mings was just extraordinary at the back i think concerts earned a lot of the praise recently rightly so um but mings mings was just superb um i think there's an argument that's the kind of game that suits him you know the 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 sitting deep and uh in, you know the other team throwing the kitchen sink at us and then yeah he he, he was he was excellent um but overall i think you know, I would summarize it by saying I'm glad to see that kind of gritty, tough, hard-fought 1-0 that we've seen in away games. I'm really pleased to see that translate to home games where we we perhaps haven't seen it as much. Yeah, yeah. And, and on that, I'm just going to just jump, Jugsy, it'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that um, around how we set up against Arsenal. Um, you know, obviously we saw the change with Nakamba coming in for Louise. Uh, which will surprise many. Um, although I think I don't think it was so much a surprise. Nakamba coming in, more of a surprise that Louise went out. Um, but how did you? Th- how did? What did you make of Dean Smith's setup uh, in terms of the formation? How we set up against Arsenal, uh, and how it differed to how we set up against West Ham. Yeah, I thought. Um, yeah, Dean Smith's change with Nakamba was quite refreshing, really, and something I personally called out for in the last pod, where we just need to uh, adapt in, in terms of how we set up as a team against the opposition. And I know Dean Smith's quite a loyal manager and it's, it's difficult when we have good performances. To, to, you want to play the same 11, but it's a lot to ask when we've had two games a week for the last sort of three or four weeks. So I'm glad he made that change. I think a lot of people were calling for the likes of Barkley or McGinn to have a rest, but he went with Louise, who was probably one of our poorest performers against West Ham. I thought, yeah, that was a really good move because Nakamba's d- defensive instincts are really, really good and he s- sort of snuffed out danger. He was up against Partey, he's obviously world-class and, and played at Champions League level and he sort of dominated him really. So I was really pleased with his performance, but I thought his tactical nous was really good as well. So he made the early foul quite often, which is something that we lacked in the last few weeks. I thought Dougie Louise um, adapted that into his game, I think in the back end of last season, but we sort of lacked it in the last few weeks where we weren't really breaking up the play early enough, especially against West Ham. So I thought that was a real positive and yeah, I mean, the early goal really changed the dynamic of the game. It just meant that we could probably sit back um, compared to what we would normally do. Um, and I think um, with with how Barkley pressed the front, I think, yeah, Barkley probably didn't have his best performance, but he was really good on the ball, I thought. I thought when he got the ball, he did try to make something happen and he was sort of the centre of everything in the first half, all, all our sort of good chances. And we pressed well as a team. I thought McGinn was again excellent. Showed um, a different side to him again. Um, I think West Ham he, he had a lot of endeavour and effort, but didn't really have much quality. And I thought yes, uh, yesterday he had a really good performance. And again, Watkins, we've just got to highlight he got the early goal and that gave him confidence. I think for the for the rest of the ninety minutes, he was our outlet. He dominated Arsenal's defenders and he created two or three chances for, for himself. Really, just just showed he's just that all round package for us and. It was such a positive performance and a, a bit different to how we, I think we managed the game really well, where Arsenal struggled to break us down because we defended so well as a team. And I think the subs by Dean Smith were spot on. I think getting Trezeguet on early in that second half when Saka switched to the left, I think that was an excellent substitution and really helped us defensively. So I think on the pitch, we managed it well, off the pitch, we managed it well. So it was like a perfect performance, really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, spot on, really. Um, you know, some really good points there, and I think really from the first minute, you know, uh, you know, we mentioned last pod, Chadzi mentioned it, that this team knows how to bounce back after a poor performance or a poor defeat. We've been doing it time and time the whole season, really. Um, you know, if you look back 
that victory against Arsenal came on the back of a couple of defeats. The victory against Wolves, a tough win, uh, but a good win came at the back of uh, a defeat against West Ham. So they know how to bounce back this team. And, 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 you know, really from the first minute, I was quite impressed with how aggressive we were. And that started with the first goal. You know, um, we um, a, a sort of a drill ball by Martinez. Traore, excellent first touch to McGinn. McGinn tries to find a, sort of a looping ball with his right foot to Watkins. Can't quite get it, but a loose pass and Traore, you know, not not known for his work rate, really. Um, although I think that's unfair, but, you know, really pressing hard. Picks up the loose ball, skips past Gabriel, plays it with the outside of his left boot to Watkins. And Watkins, a bit of luck, yes, but is it there in the right place? Um, gives himself a bit of space and, and it sort of trickles in at the far post. Yara, what did you make of uh, make of our start and, and that first half in particular and, and how aggressive we were as a team? Do you think it was the, you know, do you think that was uh, coming on the back of that loss against West Ham and, and obviously Dean Smith had maybe given him a bit of a rollicking? Yeah, you'd expect that they got a bit of a rocket after the West Ham game um, and you'd expect that uh, Smith would have made it clear that he does not expect the game to to to, to set the same tone uh, from the early exchanges. So yeah, I think there was an element of that. The goal, I love the goal from uh, from Traore's perspective. Um, I thought it was just brilliant from him to to be so alive to the potential uh, to the potential mistake from the uh, Arsenal backline and then to take advantage in such a uh, collected way. Um, I mean, I think there's no, um, it's no secret that he's he's not the most two-footed of players. So he he, he sort of had to uh, craft it with his left, and he did it he did it brilliantly. And then when it comes to Watkins, I mean, <laughs> how how much would we have uh, wanted a goal like you know when he'd gone five or six without a goal? How much would we want a, just a deflection like that? And it's just it always seems inevitable, doesn't it? That that sort of thing happens when you're already in a good run. It's not the it's not the thing that 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 falls to you at the time. Um, but yeah. Uh, suit you know you're like Watkins right place right time um and then yeah it's interesting I wonder if I mean presumably when you're preparing for a game like this you don't prepare to be one nil up after two minutes um so I wonder if that you know changed the player's mentality in any way whether they went right we're now doing dogged gritty one nil sit back give let Arsenal have the ball kind of thing um or whether or whether that was always the way we were going to play regardless of whether we'd got that early goal or not yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit, a bit yeah, yeah. It's hard to say, really. Um, I, I do think we the way we set out with McGinn and Nakamba holding, we were trying to be a bit more resolute. And Smith sort of alluded to it in the pre press match conference about we needed to be harder to beat again, which which we weren't against West Ham, which was really unlike us considering what we've been like so far this season. Um, in terms of our, in terms of our shape and how uh, how good we've been defensively as well. Um, Troy highlighted there by by Yara the AJ. Um, again, another assist, another contribution. And he's, he's played, well, he's had 12 starts this season, four goals, three assists. Another impressive display by by him in the first half, especially, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was excellent. And, um, you know, I've been talking up his work rate for a little while. And work rate rise, when you're being compared to Trezeguet, that's always going to be a bit unfair, isn't it? Because the man's an absolute animal and just runs through brick walls all, all day long. So, um but his quality on the ball, you know, and bear in mind those stats, he had a bit of a slow start as well. When he first came in, you know, we weren't we weren't that sure, like, is he is he going to do it at this level? And it's been a long time since he played in the Premier League and all of that sort of stuff. But he's very quickly started to show his uh, his quality um, on the on the ball, his work rate, um, you know, just just small things that you see, like you know, when there's a throw in and he just hammers it first time cross field uh, to switch the play into space uh you know he does that once or twice a game and 
you feel quite comfortable with him with him doing that. Um, the second big chance he had, lovely ball into him from from Barkley. Actually, I mean, Jugsy uh, mentioned his quality on the ball during the game. Uh, I still don't think it was his best performance, Barkley. But actually, that was a really tight area to find that ball into um, into the into the uh, Triori's feet. Uh, a really lovely little turn in there, and a really cute attempt at a finish. I think maybe he tried to be a bit too clever with the finish, and he might have just been better trying to place it in one of the bottom corners. But having said that, if it had come off, wouldn't it have been? glorious and we've seen him do some glorious things this season already so I kind of don't I kind of don't hold that against him especially if we won the, as we won the game um so yeah he's just got so much ability on the on the ball um the fact that he's putting the work rate in there as well alongside that um he's I think he is going to put in good good numbers both in terms of goals uh, and uh, and assists, and, and I think when he gets into those dangerous areas, he's very composed, and uh, you know that's the that's the big thing. You know, he'll get his head up and find a pass, or you know, the the finish against Newcastle. Those those kinds of little touches of quality, which are all about that composure and confidence in your own ability. I think, and he's he's got that. Yeah, he's got it in abundance. I think you know, I think. He's doing better than we all expected, let's be honest. We thought he'd probably take a bit of time to, to bed in, which he did. Um, but he's sort of hit the ground running as soon as he's had a few starts. And, you know, he's contributing to our play. And I, and I think more importantly, he's contributing to our build-up play as well. I think we saw that against West Ham where El Ghazi started. And the right-hand side for El Ghazi is in his best position. But just generally, I don't think his build-up play is amazing, El Ghazi. He's, he's better when he's sort of facing defenders and running at them. Uh, but what Troy does so well is, because we've got that inverted winger, on the right-hand side as well as the left-hand side, we're able to build up our play uh, more effectively through the middle, I think, with, with Rory. And, and like you say, he's so composed and good on the ball, isn't he? He's, he's able to get out of tight spaces, able to find a ball. He doesn't panic uh, when there's a defenders around him. He sort of manoeuvres the ball around, tries to find a new passing passing avenue. You know, that, that's a sign of a good player. So a great assured performance from him again. Uh, and we'll touch on, obviously, the second half and, and Trezeguet coming on. But just before we do that, Jugsy, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on, on, a, on a couple of things. Firstly, the, the back four um, and how they performed. Um, I'm thinking in particular Mings, who's come in for some, some criticism lately um, and um, possibly unfair criticism. How do you think he performed yesterday and, and do you think that game suited him? Uh, target again and cash. You know, Jara mentioned them earlier. Fullbacks have just been spectacularly consistent this season, you know, and target especially. Uh, and then obviously, lastly, uh, Ollie Watkins as well, um, getting his 10th goal in 21 games. Fantastic start to his Villa career. Yeah, I think the players you mentioned were the standout players for us yesterday. And Mings, in particular, I think he led the game in terms of clearances and he was just colossal. And as Jara mentioned, I think he thrives when it's sort of backs to the wall. And yeah, I think Mings obviously will be disappointed by a couple of bad errors he's made this season. But I think the Villa fans have been quick to jump on the gun of, of sort of slating him, really. I think we need to put some respect on his name because I think I saw a tweet from uh, Phil, who's a friend of the show, and um, he said that without Mings, we wouldn't be in the league. And it was quite an interesting tweet, really, because I think last year... Mings really stepped up as the leader and the most consistent defender at that back four because Engels, Concer, House, Target all needed time to, to sort of bed in, into the league and Mings was the, the person that was the leader and really Mr. Consistent, really. So I know Concer's outshone him this year, but Mings has still played very well. He's kept, obviously, the clean sheets and 
been sort of integral really. Um, so I'm glad he put in that man of the match performance and got a bit of credit because he deserved that. And yeah, I mean, Target and Cash are very sort of different in how they approach their defending. I think Cash had a really good game plan against Pepe. You've got to engage Pepe early, get him to make the mistake or, or take an extra touch when he doesn't need to. And Pepe is quite a dangerous ringer, I think. He can go either side and Cash played him really well. And again, Target, I mean, he doesn't get much help from Jack and he sometimes he's left two on one, but he's slow to commit target he only really goes in for the slide once he's one-on-one or someone tries to get past him so two different defending styles and both yeah working for them and they've been yeah amazing this season and especially target his improvement from last season has been one of our sort of key reasons for access success really and Watkins I mean he's only scored 10 goals which is quite remarkable considering he's had two goals marginally chalked off he's missed a pen and God knows how many times he's at the post. I think he's at the post five or six times. So easily he could have had 15 goals. And that's what he deserves, really, for his effort and his endeavour, really. And, I mean, I've not seen a striker like him in a Villa shirt. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean, he does everything. And he's not the biggest of strikers. He's not the quickest of strikers. But somehow he can do the hold-up play, he can do the link-up play, and he can run the channels. And, you know I mean, he's dangerous with his finishing as well. So... I think Smith's got a gem there and I'm hoping he will improve as the season goes on and he might reach that 20-goal mark. You just never know. He could be that striker for us since Dwight York. So, yeah, really pleased with his performance as well. Yeah. Um, he's, Ollie Watkins just seems to have the best of every 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 good striker we've had in the past. He's, he seems to get the best attribute of, of all of them, really. He's got the pace of someone like Gabby. He's got um, the holder play of someone like Benteke. He's got the work rate of someone like Dean Saunders. Um, he's got a bit of skill like like uh, Dwight York as well. So, you know, he's got a bit of everything. He's probably not excelling at every single attribute, but he's a good all-round striker, isn't he? And uh, his work rate actually does really remind me. And I saw this tweet by by someone else on, on Twitter, uh, Dean Saunders, back in the day, who's probably Jigsy, our first, and probably, probably you guys as well, our first sort of heroes striker-wise for Villa, where, you know, he just never stopped running uh, and never gave the defenders a moment of rest. So... You know, great to see someone like that play for Villa. We haven't had many of them, have we, uh, in the past? Uh, a striker like that. Yaro, second half. Um, let's let's move on to the second half and and your thoughts around that. Just before we go on to that, just just read the stats out because before we go in the second half, I was quite interested to hear um, Mikel Arteta's views at the end of the end of the game. And he said, you know, they dominated the game, they dominated the ball, they had all the good chances, and, they, and Villa didn't, we didn't have to work for any of our chances that were given to us. Um, looking at the stats, um, yes, they did have the ball, 66.4% possession, depending on which website you go on to read the possession stats. Um, eight shots on target for Villa, three shots on target for Arsenal. Shots, they had 14, we had 12. Um, and really, apart from that, uh, all the other stats are, are fairly, fairly neutral. Obviously, they had more touches and passes than us, but, um, you know, that, that, that's shown in the possession stats. But in terms of chances, you know, we, we still had some good chances second half, didn't we? Yeah, um, I think dominate is a funny word in football. It's the it's the kind of word that managers and fans alike will use just to mean we had a lot of the ball. Um, they will say we dominated the play, but if you're if you happen to have a, had a lot of the ball whilst one nil down um, and don't particularly look uh, likely to score, then I don't think that's dominating. I think you know it's dominating the ball perhaps, but it's not dominating the game. Um, and yeah, I think we we I, I felt. 
in the first half, we actually didn't have too much of a goal threat ourselves, despite having scored the goal. I think other than the goal, there wasn't a huge amount of chances. But that first 15, 20 minutes in the second half, I think we had a we had three or four openings that I think were better than any of Arsenal's chances. And I think this is reflected in expected goals, um, which I think is perhaps a more useful stat if you're assessing who dominated the game. Um uh, then possession or shots because, you know, a team can have 25 shots, but they might all be punts from outside the area. Um, so, yeah, I think the expected goals stat really tells a story there. Um, I think, yeah, we perhaps were unfortunate or, or um, you know, perhaps felt we, we could have taken um, a chance for a second. Um, yeah, and, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think I think the expected goals tell the story, really. Yeah, and no, I agree. I agree. I think you know. We, I think it was a one point two six. I think we got expected goals, and they got point nine six or something like that from memory. I can't. I'll have to read it up. Yeah, it? I think it was something something like which, that. Which it seems you know, about right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think expected goals. You know, and a lot of people don't like it, but I think it, it, it's more of an indication of how the game's gone, the quality of chances, um, and not necessarily how the how the actual game played out in terms of possession and sort of and whatnot. But you know, definitely, I think we had the best chances. I think you're right. The first 15 or so minutes, we you know we started the second half really well. Then Arsenal came back into it and dominated the ball. And we were getting overrun in midfield, um, and and then Smith changed it up with with Trez coming on, and then Ramsey surprisingly coming on as well. I didn't even know he was on the bench. I didn't I didn't even see his name to be honest. So that was a bit of a shock. Um, what did you, Jara? What did you make of that of that change? And and obviously it worked. So I'm, I'm not going to ask you if it worked or not. But how, why do you think it worked? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's been a lot of talk about Smith and his game management. And I think it always, I seem to always sort of come around full circle where there's a game like the Southampton game where Smith didn't use any subs. Um, and I think we all questioned that. It felt like Southampton were getting through us too easily. Um, and it's, we start to then question, well, has the, does Dino have, the, have that ability to read the game and respond to it? Um, and then there's a game like yesterday where... The, substitute, the substitutions were the exact right substitutions and had the exact right desired effect. Um, as already alluded to, Trezeguet on for Traore, was abs- as well as Traore played, that was absolutely the right call at that time um, and really helped to, to throttle Arsenal's threat down the left. Um, so, yeah, um, it's it's sort of a common theme with Smith. Every every time you sort of start to have these creeping doubts, um, he he seems to deliver something that, that suggests that he recognises the uh, the shortcomings and 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 is addressing them and to be fair if if Dino was in this chat he'd probably point out to me that we did beat Southampton despite the lack of substitutions so yeah. so he'd probably say he's vindicated in that as well yeah yeah it's a, it's a weird one isn't it I think uh, you know I've I've uh, right at the beginning of the season um, our first late night ramble we were talking about Dean Smith and and how far he could take us and and I said I had my slight reservations whether he could take us to the next level well. He's doing it already, to be honest, because this is the next level for us, isn't it? Uh, well, he, but maybe a couple more levels, actually. Um, so from that perspective, you know, you, you've got to tip your hat to him. Um, but he made the change in the second half. It was obvious we were getting overrun. Um, but AJ Barkley, we've, we've talked about him already. I agree with Jugsy in terms of his first half performance. I thought he was, he was fairly good, actually, uh, on the ball, especially. Second half, um, he had a bright first five minutes, but then sort of drifted away from the game and we got overrun. What, what do you make of the sort of the Barkley conundrum, as I, as I like to call it? Um, you know, some fans really want us to sign him. Some fans don't. Um, a lot of it will depend on the price. What, what are your thoughts on around him and, and whether he has a future at Villa? 
Well, I think judging him at the moment, we need to keep in mind that he was out for what six, seven weeks. So uh, I don't think he's—I still don't think he's fully fit after that. You know, I mean, a lot of our players have had time off with the COVID break and no trading and all, all of that. I think that came at the worst time for him probably because he was just coming back from that injury, and then he's got to miss two weeks of training on the on the back of that. So I, I think we need to keep that in mind. On the other hand, when you're deciding whether you're going to sign him or not, obviously him being a having a bit of a history of injuries, picking up another one this season is is one of the factors. I think, you know, has he got the ability to influence games for us a lot? Have we seen that through this season? Yes. Does he do it to the same degree in every single game? No. Uh, what I would like to see, therefore, is a situation where, you know, we've brought Samson in, for example, who's a slightly different sort of player, Jugsy's touched on how, you know, we perhaps need to set up differently for different opposition, which we did against Arsenal, but I don't think we've necessarily done enough this season. Um, and uh, Barkley, to me, could potentially be part of that. And if it's a game where you're expecting it to be a bit more open and we're going to be more on the front foot, then Barkley plays. You know, if it's a game where uh, it's tougher opposition then perhaps, uh, you know, a Samson comes in or you change the shape a little bit and Jack moves into the middle. Um, all those all those options are available, but ultimately it comes down to, to price. And if they're talking about 40 million, which there were some rumours uh, in the last couple of days, I mean, rubbish Twitter type rumours, but rumours nonetheless that that's what they'd be asking. I'd like to think that, given his record on signing so far, that Langer can find us someone better in that position for that sort of money. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're talking 25 million, then, you know, maybe. Um, I mean, the advantages we've got him here, and we already know he works well with Jack and, and all of those, whereas any other signing, there's, there's a bigger element of risk, I guess. So it's a long-winded way of saying I'm not really sure. I'm not convinced either way at the moment, and in part it depends on you know what the what 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 the money available is, who else we've got in the pipeline, all of those sorts of things, which we which we can't know. I like him as a player. I think he can be hugely influential for us in certain situations and certain games, but I think there are question marks over his injury record and his ability to do that all of the time, which for forty million quid which would you know be by some distance our record signing um I, i'm not sure that's that's value for money yeah I, I, to be honest i think you summarized my thoughts on it as well uh something i've had for some of those that view i've had for a while really even even though he started uh his villa career with a with a bang i, I still have my reservations around him in terms of long-term future and that injury record and and, and how much it would cost really um so I, we'll see how he does the rest of the season if he the, the remaining 17 games, you know, he uh, gets goals and assists and I'm sure there'll be a, a bit of clamour to, to get him in and, and Dino will probably be more than happy to pay the money. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll see. He's got he's got a point to prove, I think. So, uh, so you know, there's the incentive there for him to perform, uh, which is obviously beneficial to us. It's, it's clear that he wants to do really well and he wants to prove himself for us, whether that's so, you know, with a view to moving to us permanently or just because he's desperate to get to the Euros and all the, all the rest of it, I don't know. But... I think that reaction when he was coming off was telling in the sense that I think he's frustrated with his own performance more than being subbed off by Smith. I don't think he was frustrated with Smith. 
necessarily, although you can never you can never really know. But I also think that's part of his issue is I think he's trying to do too much a little bit. He's trying to be a little bit too clever with flicks and, and things like that. He's um, uh, he, he's overplaying a little bit sometimes, which I think when he first came in was not the case necessarily. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Um, Jugsy, just before we move on to the, the comments and then the, a quick preview of the Brighton game, um, two contentious decisions uh, that BT spent about, seemed like two hours analysing. Um, I didn't really see him during the game, to be honest. Well, I saw obviously saw the, the foul on Konza, but I, I mean, I personally thought it was a foul. Sorry, it was a foul on Konza rather than a foul on Saka. But the, the Lacazette penalty claim, I sort of just shrugged it off. But what were your thoughts on the, on those two? Um, do you think Arsenal had a, a could could feel aggrieved? Um, the Saka foul was quite an interesting one because I think there was a bit of shirt pulling back and forth, and maybe Konza um, sort of engaged that first. But if we look back on the replay, I think Saka kicked into Konza, so it was far enough away from goal where I don't think it was a clear goal score goal-scoring opportunity and Concert was trying to play the ball. So I thought that yellow card in hindsight was probably the right decision. And yeah, unless the referee looked at it slow-mo, um, you wouldn't have seen that kick on Saka from, uh, sorry, on Concert from Saka. So yeah, I think that was the right decision. And then the penalty, um, yeah, it was clear obstruction because if Lacazette's not leaning into Martinez and then Martinez claims that ball easily. So I don't think Arsenal can be aggrieved really. Uh, on them two decisions at all. I think they're clutching at straws given um, the horrendous decisions that they've had this year. I think it was just an excuse for them and I think Arteta probably um, used that as well because he yeah, he just wasn't good enough to get his team to create enough chances. So yeah, I think they were just trying to blame the ref again. So I, 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 was, I thought the ref had a pretty decent game and yeah, I think the two decisions were, were probably right, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um... I think Arteta, a bit like uh, Andres Villas-Boas from Marseille, you know, he's um, hiding behind some controversy because he's um, he's doing a poor job. I think uh, he's under some pressure, and we saw that with the substitutions. I didn't think they were any good, to be honest. Arsenal looked toothless most of the game, and then and then one stage they managed to have what four number tens on the pitch, um, which didn't really work for them. I wasn't really sure what he was doing. They tried to overload on the left hand side, but then Trezeguet, the man mountain he is, uh, helped out Cash. Uh, admirably and and really you know we they they've got balls in the box but our, our central back partnership just uh, headed them away with ease really and like uh, like Yara said Odegaard's chance was probably the only one where you thought actually you know they they probably could have scored that one but overall impressive performance a different performance uh, than what we've been used to so far this season but an important performance nonetheless a victory and we're back on track let's go to the comments before we move on to to the Brighton game um and it'd be interesting to hear some of your thoughts around these some of these questions uh, Naslo79 uh, says gritty win when we weren't at our best love that and the fact we create chances no matter what uh, no matter how we are playing Arsenal had the lion's share but we still could have scored 3 or 4 I think that's a really good point even the Southampton game where I think probably from an attacking perspective we were probably at our worst we still created our we still created a fair few chances still then and probably still had some of the best chances until the, the last 5 minutes or so when Southampton had those controversial shouts uh, well one controversial shout for a goal uh, at the end uh, Anthony Conroy yet again it shows we need to play with two holding midfielders we're so better balanced like that uh, I mean Yara I mean we've talked about this already but do you think it's a horses for courses thing do you think we we shouldn't just stick rigidly to two holding midfielders and, and play according to the team we're playing or do you think we should we're better off just playing that way because the players can you know players can adapt to that particular formation and know it inside out and, and play against any team that way or do you think we need to change it up now and again 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's entirely dependent on the on the opposition and the type of game you're expecting. I mean, you can't just point to one game in which we won with two holding midfielders and say, look, that's the answer for all the games, because then you could also point to a game where we didn't play two holding midfielders and won quite comfortably. So, yeah, it's it's about it's about the opposition. Um, I think in this instance, I don't know if the introduction of Nakamba was so much about um, uh, uh, setting ourselves up to be a bit more defensive. I think it might have been as much about um, Louise uh, has played so many minutes in such an intense amount of time that um, he just wanted to freshen it up and and Nakamba's legs were perhaps the freshest. Um, I mean, I think the other options would have been Sanson, who perhaps is not quite quite ready for, for 90 minutes in the Premier League yet, um, and Ramsey, who's obviously very, very young and untested. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure if it was necessarily all about going um super defensive in any way but um but yeah i think i think yeah it's it's completely about tailoring to uh depending on the opposition yeah yeah yeah, i think i think so i agree with that uh tom ellis a couple of points have we changed tactical approach since burnley horror show seems to be playing more direct longer quicker balls uh definitely had no sustained spells of possession what is bartley bringing to the side currently also, his sub reaction and Ramsey cameo. Well, we've talked about a lot of that already, I think, uh, and covered in the show. But thanks for the question, Tom. Um, I think, in terms of a tactical approach to Burnley, I thought that first half against Burnley was probably the best we've played from a footballing perspective. I was just going to say the horror show v Burnley did involve some of the best football that I've seen us play ever. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. was a horror show for about 20 minutes, I'd say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. So, I mean, who knows? I think West Ham was a. Southampton was was a different kind of game. You know, they press you so well, makes make it difficult for you. West Ham did the same to us, uh, and we didn't respond well. And then Arsenal were Arsenal. You know, they're in they're in good form, and uh, they're always going to have a lot of the ball. So I think we have to adapt a certain way. I think it will be more interesting to see us against someone like Brighton. Um, that that's coming up next week to see how we adapt against a very good again a very good footballing team. But um, potentially, you know, we're more evenly matched in terms of being able to hold on to possession against them than than say Arsenal. Um, JPA, Barkley not really being a gritty player, looking from afar, he always seems a player who loved a challenge and a scrap. It is, is it unfair to say he's flirting with the title of being a luxury player and a player in the Ozzel mold rather than a Stevie G all-action mold? I think we've, we know we've covered that already. Um, I think we're, most of us are in agreement around, around Barkley. Um, Sam Cleary, when Gerrard was at the height of his powers, he was used as a withdrawn striker. We looked dangerous on the break with Jack's point Watkins. Should we use a 4-4-1-1 against the top sides? AJ, thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, we were talking about it uh, in the chat, weren't we, a little bit. And I think we've sort of done it in the towards the end of a, of a couple of games, although it's probably not the official position of uh, formation, if you like. There's been a couple of games where, you know, when Barkley's come off or whatever, the, the midfield has dropped a bit deeper and gone a bit tighter, but we've left Jack high up, high up the field, either on the left or in a bit more of a free roll. Uh, and I think it is effective because he's so good on the break, when teams are really pushing to try and uh, get an equaliser or a goal against us and they can't afford to uh, sit back in the centre-halves, push on and, and so on, um, you know, there's nobody better in the league at exploiting that on the, on the break. So I think it's definitely something that will happen at some points in some games. Uh, and if it is really effective, then uh, I, I think, you know, against the very top sides, the, the Man Cities of this world, uh, I can see it being a, a, an approach that we might take. I don't think it's naturally what Smith is going to want to do. It feels a bit too 
defensive uh, an approach for for Smith to go out as that is being your starting formation. Uh, but I do think there's some merit in it. I think we've sort of flirted with it almost semi-accidentally towards the end of games, uh, and it does look effective um, on the break. Yeah, I think so. I think, again, a horses for quarters thing. Last comment uh, before we move on to the Brighton game. Gary H, uh, agree on the sentiment of R.E. Barkley on last week's pod. However, I do feel that Smith and the coaching staff can coach Barkley to be a player he has the potential to be, even at his age. Uh, sorry, that was a question. Do we feel that Smith has to... Uh, well, definitely, I think so, given uh, what they've done with some of the other players. Um, you know, how they've improved those players. It's, it's definitely a, one of the main attributes I think our, our coaching team has is developing players. So, yeah, why not? Um, if so, we might not see the best of them until next season. So, is he worth a £20 million punt? I think there's a I think there's a difference though between signing someone for fifteen million pounds and improving them through coaching and signing someone for thirty million pounds plus and seeking to improve them through through coaching. I, I think if you're signing someone for that sort of money, you want them to be operating at the level you expect to begin with. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a valid point. Um it's um it's a not it's a quite an expensive punt, isn't it? Um at that price. So uh yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, there's probably better value out there. I think, and that's probably you know, I don't think our owners and and Christian Perslow will be um, shafted when it comes to negotiations. So they'll know what price they're willing to pay, and and they'll stick to that. Uh, let's move on to the to the Brighton game. Jugsy, your thoughts on on Brighton, who seem to be on a, on a fairly good run recently, um, playing well, playing good football, probably getting the results they deserve now. They obviously beat us at our place, two um, one. Uh, um, controversial decision at the end with uh, Trezeguet going down for a pen and being overturned. Villa, I thought, were the better team that game. Probably weren't at our best defending wise, but attacking wise, we still had plenty of chances. How do you see that? How do you see that game going? And and how do you see Brighton setting up? Yeah, I think Brighton are in a good run of form, and yeah, they've turned their season around. And I think Potter's a really good coach, um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough game away from home, and. We, did, we got a draw there last year, having not played great. So um, I'm glad we've got seven days rest now because we really needed a bit of a break from the week uh, midweek game. So at least this gives us a chance to regroup and get sort of a full week's training for the likes of Sanson and Barkley, just to improve their fitness levels. And yeah, Brighton are in good form. I mean, they are sort of changing their team every week. So sometimes they don't play with a recognised striker. Sometimes they're getting Maupay, obviously, to lead the line. But yeah, I think... Um, Potter's got a couple of players back from injury. I think Lamptey's still out. He's still long, long-term long injured. Uh, but yeah, they're a threat. I think McAllister's come in. He's an Arge- Argentinian number 10. He's come in look quite dangerous. Um, you've obviously got Basuma in midfield. And yeah, their back three, Dunk and Webster and, and White are, are yeah a, a really good back three and a, a threat at set pieces. So we just got to be careful as well when we're defending set pieces because I think Brighton will be will be a, a, a big threat. Um so yeah, it's been an interesting game. Hopefully, we can we have a chance to regroup. And I think what we need is I think the last sort of few games we've lost one, 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 lost one, one, one. So it'd be nice to get back to back wins again, and uh, yeah, just try and look upwards again. So hopeful for a positive result, and yeah, looking forward to it. Brighton don't seem to have the the best record at home, do they, Yara? What's that weird stat that that came out after they beat? Uh, Liverpool. Um. Uh, yeah, that's right. I think I think their last three home wins have come in 2019, 2020 and 2021. And the 2020 and 2021 versions both being against Spurs. 
uh, which I think is a, I, I describe it as a very Spursy stat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> Weird. I mean, how do you, uh, what's your what's your prediction for that game then? I know it's a bit early. We don't know team news yet, who's injured or not. So it's a bit hard to say, but would you take a point or are you, are you expecting a victory? I, I go I go into games now. If we're playing like one of the, the, the top five, someone really, you know, established and organized, like going with a lot of confidence. If we're playing the bottom three, I go in with a lot of confidence. Um, Brighton, Leeds, Leicester. I think they're our next three games. They're all, I mean, Leicester, that's probably the one I'd go in with the most confidence, um, weirdly. Um, Brighton is, is, is a tough one. I mean, the, the home game, I went, I was so supremely confident going into that game. And um, I think, you know, we, were, we weren't, We'd had the Leeds loss, hadn't we? But um, I think, you know, we, we'd still won a, a lot more than we'd, we'd lost. And that game really stung me. I feel I feel like I can't be as optimistic this time around because uh, I remember just being very angry about that first Welbeck goal where our whole team was was in their box for some reason. Um, and then they just ran up the other end and dinked it in. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm cautiously optimistic, I'd say. You know, maybe, maybe us by a goal. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight game. I think um, it's two probably evenly matched teams, albeit uh, Brighton are sitting near the bottom of the table. But I don't think that reflects how good they've been this season. AJ, your thoughts on on the game before we close up? I'm expecting a win. Um, you know, we're good away from home. They're not very good at home. Uh, we owe them one after what happened at Villa Park. Um, you know, we, we sort of we've gone through this uh, this episode uh, without really talking about the fact that this is the first time we've done the double over Arsenal since nineteen ninety two ninety three. We've just been sort of talking about it as a sort of matter of fact win, which, given where Arsenal are in the league, you know, they're a similar sort of position to us. Fair enough. But actually, considering we nearly went down last season, uh, we probably should be a bit more upbeat. Actually, here we probably should be talking about it's a big deal for us to. <laughs> Beat Arsenal, get do the double over Arsenal, and I think uh, I'm going to uh, break with my normal tradition and uh, be a bit um, positive off the back of that and say, yeah, we're going to we're going to win two one. <laughs> yeah, such a such a good point actually. And uh, AJ bringing the sun, sunshine <laughs> and positivity into our lives. What's yeah. happening? Yeah. I know, I like it, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? But you, um, it's it's what happens when you're a fan. I remember when you know we're under Martin and Neil. Um, what we're doing now would probably be seen as a bit of a failure. You know, why aren't we pushing for top four? Um, and, you know, it's just, you have to align your expectations, don't you, accordingly. And I think the, the, given how we've played this season, and that's, that is the worry slightly, you know, we, I think we are, we are, we have been overachieving slightly. So if we finish with anywhere within the top 10, it's going to be a massive, massive achievement considering what we did last season. So I think anything, anything we do has to be taken into context. You know, I think there'll be a lot of fans who will be disappointed if we don't finish top six, but, you know, I think I think we just have to be patient. We're on we're on a bit of a journey, aren't we, as, as a team? But you're completely right. You know, 92, 93 was a long, long, long time ago to to do a double over a team. So let's hope we break traditions, plenty of traditions. This is a record breaking team, as Dean Smith always says. You know, we had the ten wins in a row, staying up last season, um, beating Liverpool seven two. Let's hope we beat Man United at home for once. That would be a nice I was, record to break. I was just gonna say, I tell you what, we'll have made it when we do the double over Man United. Um, yeah. you know, uh, just 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 any win over Man United is like such gold dust for a Villa fan. That, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The day we do the double will be a glorious day indeed. Yeah, no matter no matter when we play Man United, they all seem to be informed, don't they? They could they could have won, could have lost the first ten in a row, and then when we'll play them, they've won three in a row or whatever. It's just. Always, we always get the luck. But anyway, that's, it's not Man United pod, so let's, let's forget about them. But 
Um, great win anyway, uh, a different kind of win, like I said at the beginning of the show, but an important win nonetheless. Uh, we're back flying up the table, looking upwards rather than downwards. Um, some key games coming up. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, the, the, the post-match review, obviously, with the, with, with the crew. Uh, before that, we'll have the late-night ramble from, uh, and we'll have a special guest, Josh Norris um, from America, um, coming on the show. So it should be a good one. Once again, thank you, boys, for your time. Good to have you on. Cheers, Arms. Cheers, mate. Thank you, boys. Thanks, Arms. Thank- and uh, usual spiel, please do subscribe and, and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on and uh, leave us your review and rating on Apple. Follow us on Twitter at Villa Podcast, all one word. Uh, and apart from that, thanks for listening. Thanks to the boys again and up the villa. Cheers, lads. Up the villa, lads. Up the villa. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.